0: Welcome to the Entre Pastors Podcast. This show helps pastors think, act, and thrive as prosperous entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Les Hughes and John Sanders. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Entre Pastors Podcast. My name is John Sanders, and this week I am in the studio all lonesome by myself without my co-host and sidekick, Les Hughes. You will be hearing from him in a moment, though, when we share an awesome interview we did recently with today's guest, so I just got to set it up here for just a moment. So I won't be alone for too long, all right? That's the good news. But guys, welcome. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. This is episode number 43 We're coming in on a full year of this journey we call Entree Pastors. And we're so grateful for each and every one of you that have been a part of that and joined us somewhere along the way. We've got so much exciting stuff happening, some really cool things we're going to be rolling out here in a matter of weeks. I mean, maybe even by next episode. I'm not 100% sure. But very soon, we're going to be unveiling some new and exciting. Upgrades and updates to some of the things we're doing at Entree Pastors. We cannot wait to share it with you. But before we go into all of that, let me just tell you that we've got an awesome guest lined up for you today. His name is Vincent Puglisi. He has done some incredible things. He's a great storyteller, by the way, and has had just an incredible life, some really cool experiences. He's not a pastor. Uh, but he's an author, and he has written a book that is very applicable to, and it's very relevant to any pastor that is on an entrepreneurial path of building a business, creating a, a product or a service that you're putting out into the world, and you know, wanting to hopefully sell it and have other people buy what it is you're selling. Vincent has written a new book called The Wealth of Connection, and we're going to title this episode by the same title, The Wealth of Connection with Vincent Puglisi. the The subtitle to his new book is A New Approach to Making Business Personal, and here's kind of the big idea. I won't steal too much of his thunder. I'll let him unpack it for you, but The big idea is this, that in the the day and age in which we live, especially in online business, but even in other uh, arenas of business, the, the common model, if you will, is for people to create something first. We create our product, the thing we want to put out into the world, and then we try to sell it and we hustle and we try to put it in front of people and we have some goals and we're going to hear that a lot of times those goals are more focused on ourself, as in selfish goals, is how Vincent defines them, rather than a generous goal that is focused on others and how our product or our service will actually help other people. It's kind of built more around what is in it for us. And so we hustle, man. We try to put it in front of people. We try to connect with people. We try to network with people. But it's all transactional, and it's all about us getting ahead and us achieving you know, those goals. And in Vincent's book, he kind of turns that whole philosophy upside down on its head and talks about the value of building a wealth of connection by first and foremost, developing our own character, becoming curious about what other people are doing, um, you know, looking for ways to collaborate with other people, and uh, and then finally creating that thing, whatever that is that we're wanting to put out into the world. Uh, but connecting, you know, like it's it's about people. It's about connecting with people and serving them along the way. And uh, man, it's a refreshing book. It really is. It's a refreshing idea. It's a refreshing message. And by the way, Pastor, can I tell you that I think as pastors, this is another one of those areas that we are like we have an unfair advantage if if we think about it because we have been so well trained in those soft skills of working with people and dealing with people and hopefully some of that character work is already there i mean i'm assuming that right we could probably find exceptions even among pastors obviously but uh, i think this is another one of those areas where pastors might have an advantage a leg up in the marketplace If we and when we decide to show up in the world as entrepreneurs, in addition to being pastors. So anyway, there's some great business principles here, but it's so much deeper than just business. It's it's personal, man. It's like it's it's just great content that uh, Vincent is getting ready to share with us. So I'm excited for you guys to meet Vincent. Uh, By the way, he's going to be a guest uh, at the end of the month as we're releasing this in the month of June. We're gonna have Vincent in our Entree Pastors Mastermind. He's gonna be on one of our calls, and uh, I've given a copy of his book. Lesson, I've purchased a copy of his book for every member of our Mastermind, and and then we're gonna. He's been so generous to come and spend a morning hanging out with our Mastermind. So if you're sitting here like John, what is a Mastermind? What's that all about? Well, I'd love to tell you more about it, and uh, feel free to shoot me a message. Just uh, email me at john at entreepastors.com. And uh, we could talk, set up a time to talk offline more what that looks like, to be in a community of people where you are connected to people just like Vincent, that you're getting ready to hear from, and uh, other pastors that are on a similar journey, to be in an environment of supportive, helpful uh, people walking beside you on your journey, whatever that may look like. So anyway, I'm excited for that as well. We've got a lot of really cool things coming. So guys, without any further ado... It is my pleasure to introduce to you Mr. Vincent Puglisi. Check this out. Well, Vincent Puglisi, I got to tell you I woke up this morning excited when I saw in my calendar that we had you on our calendar to talk to today. Welcome to the Andre Pastor's podcast, man. It's great having you on the show.
1: Thanks for having me on. I I am
0: excited about this. Yeah, you actually I met you at the very first uh Entree Pastors live event that we did. So, uh, one of our right. one of our guests invited you to come and hang out for a little bit of that. So that's where I got connected with you. And after I the ca- event, I, go ahead.
1: I kind of snuck my way into that one.
0: Well, I'm glad you did. Because after the event, we we all went out to supper with with some of us as a group. And I started to hear some of your story. And I was like, man, this guy's got an incredible story. So yes. you, why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself to our audience. Tell us a little bit about who Vincent Puglisi is.
1: Yeah, it's a hard question because I feel like a cat with nine lives. When people go, you know, "Tell us your story," I'm like, "Well, which which one? Do you want to know when I was, you know, desperate and fired from my job when I was 22, starting over, or, or 32?" So I've had a pretty interesting run at this. Um, it's always been kind of non-conventional. I was never good in school. I never cared about grades. I never cared about any of it, and I always kind of thought that was just me. I was kind of a slacker. What I realized later on was it just didn't fit me the organization and the structure of it and just the non-interest-based way of learning just didn't matter to me. And I realized even at that age, I'm like, I'm not as dumb as everybody's telling me I am because I can have conversations with adults Mm -hmm. and I can make them laugh and I can make them think. And we can, I'm like, I'm almost suited better once I get out of here. So I remember even a friend of mine at senior year said, "Um, what are you going to do with your life? Because I grew up on Long Island, like everybody was going to these these really nice colleges. And, and I was barely getting into Nassau Community College. I didn't find out I graduated until the le- the day before school ended. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, it, it could have been summer school. I could have been left back. I mean, that, that's where I was at. But I remember saying to him, when he asked me what I'm going to do with my life, what am I going to do next? I said, I said, I have no idea, but I'll figure something out. And I remember walking down the hallway and saying to myself, why did you say that so confidently? Because I really was confident when I said it. I knew this wasn't for me, and I knew once I had an opportunity to use my own skills, strengths, my own whatever, um, something was going to work out, Mm. and I don't know where that confidence came from, but it really, it hurt me in the beginning because I tried a lot of different jobs. I was arrested. I I had very little morals. It was a lot of problems that went on 17 through 22, but when I started figuring it out and I started realizing I could do it my way and I can really be creative in my own way, it, it started flourishing from there, beginning with a career in photography.
0: Yeah. And that career in photography, you did some really cool things and you didn't start out doing all these amazing things. You started out like a lot of photographers kind of struggling and trying to figure the whole thing out. But as you got more clarity and courage, I would say to really follow your passion, like you, you ended up living the dream, at least for that season of your life that you thought you wanted. So if you would just Unashamedly share some of the highlight reel of what you were able to do in as a photographer and kind of how you built out that business. So don't hold back; just tell us all the good stuff.
1: I'm going to tell you the bad stuff first. Okay, we'll take the, that. The, the first, so the first six years of photography in my life, I made around twenty thousand dollars total. So to me, that's when you know you love something that you continue on. Now that was going to school, and that was part time, and that was interning, that was all those different things. But my goodness, when, when I knew like I will, I will drive across New York to New Jersey for, a, for some type of a news event and pay for it myself and pay for gas just for the chance of getting something that could eventually be a good picture, man, that, that told me I will go above and beyond for this. And, and it's like when you suffer so long and you, and you fail for so long, you kind of realize when I get my shot, nothing's going to stop me. It yeah. wasn't ho hum. And when I went back to school for it at 26, I remember like I'm not blowing this at all. Yeah. I was locked in, and I remember a classmate of mine was 20. And there was nothing that was going to get me off point. And he's like, well, I'm kind of into philosophy, and I'm kind of into this, and I like photography. I'm like, I knew he wasn't going to make it because he would not commit and go all in on something. To me, it was it. So I did everything you could. I, I bought cheap tickets to baseball games. I snuck down to the front row to ask the photographers in the photo pit, photo questions. This is what I, this this was my real school. Every night I would go to a different Yankees game or Met game and I would learn the industry, you know, on my own dime. Hmm. And then I wound up making connections that way. I wound up, you know, kind of bringing pictures and showing them and they were kind of like, okay, you're doing good. That led to an internship for $25 a day with Newsday in New York, sixth largest newspaper, but no budget for an intern. I didn't care, just get me in the door which led to an internship with the national hockey league with Bruce Bennett studios. That was free to begin with. So I was, I was, I was an intern. So I was called the Vinturn. That was my nickname.
0: <laughs> I love and
1: it. And so then they elevated me and I got paid. I was now minimum wage. And so then they called me minimum wage. I had a nickname all, all <laughs> sure. along the way. Um, but that eventually led to being published in hockey magazines, trading cards, getting hired for the World Wrestling Federation during the Attitude Era, which was the big era of wrestling with Stone Cold Steve Austin. I traveled with them for two or three years during that circus, Um, going back to school, winning International Sports Photographer of the Year, Hearst National Championship in Journalism, and going towards a career which was my dream, which is being a professional sports photographer. And so I got to do that for 22 years where I shot everything, you know, World Series, Super Bowl, WrestleMania, Kentucky Derby. You know when the president would come, I would be with the president. I spent a day with the Dalai Lama walking around New York City. Um, Muhammad Ali's birthday party. We got flown out to for his 70th birthday party. Just this crazy stuff where it's like, well, if you are focused on something and you are not going to be stopped, and you were going to work your hardest, things work out. And I'm proof that you don't need the degrees or the the grades to do it you need the patience and persistence to do it
0: yeah well also somewhere in there you did some weddings right like you that was a big part of your business so speak to that just briefly if you don't mind
1: yeah the sports was great but it didn't pay very well okay um and we had a, i had a newspaper job my wife had a newspaper job and we were at this moment where i just won international sports star for the year the biggest one that you could win but i'm making thirty-two thousand dollars a year and my wife wants to stay home with our almost first son and I had a moment where, okay, I just win this major award. I'm working for a newspaper. I have a baby coming. This is where I finally get the raise. This is what everybody told me. And I went to my boss and I said, hey, um, you know, it was, it was our evaluation. And he praised me top to bottom and everything we'd done going above and beyond. And he took off his glasses and he rubbed his eyes and he was like, but we can only give you 3%. And I'm like, I can't survive on this, right? I can't live on this. And he said, everybody else gets nothing. There's no raises going around. You went, you did so good this year. We can give you 3%. And it was in that moment that I said, I'm done. I've been doing this for 10 years. It's never going to pay. And I have to feed a family. So I went home and I called my dad who had his own business to see if I could work for him. He lived in New York. I was in Indiana at the time. And he told me no. So I'm like, even my dad's rejecting me now. It was like the worst (laughs) day ever. And he said something that changed my life. He said, He goes, Hey, you know, I'm going to tell you this. You haven't listened. Maybe you're going to listen now. And, and he said, You have a skill, but you're not using it correctly. And those words changed my life. I said, What do you mean? And he said, You're settling. You're settling for $32,000 a year in benefits, but you, you've become a really good photographer. You didn't used to be, but you've worked really hard. He goes, You can do whatever you want. You could shoot weddings, corporate, commercial, magazines, anything. You can name your price. And you can control your time and you're settling for $32,000 a year in benefits and asking me for a job. Wow. That hurt Hmm. that. So I started calling photographers to see if I could work with them to eventually start our own business. Um, they all turned me down. So I took the phone book. If you remember a phone book, I threw it against the wall (laughs) and in in frustration. And I said, you know, they said, if you can't beat them, join them. I said, well, if you, said, if we can't join them, we're going to beat them. So I called my eight month pregnant wife, To tell her we're starting a business. Like she needed any more stress, I tell her that we're we're starting a business. And she's like, "What?" So within a month, we had shot three weddings for free, built a portfolio, built a wedding business. Within a year, it was a six-figure business. Within three years, we had paid off our house and all of our debt from it, quit our jobs, and that's where the freedom came into our life. And that's what we did for a good twelve years before this next portion.
0: Yeah, which that'll be a good setup to keep the story going. But I just want to pause for a second for our audience, and I want them to notice something. As you're telling that story, Vincent, I'm just connecting some dots in my own head. You probably don't realize this, but your story is so similar to many pastors from the standpoint of they're, they're doing something they're passionate about. They even feel called to it, and yet they're settling. They're not doing very well financially. They're getting peanuts for a raise, if there ever is a raise, and and they're settling at least in a financial sense of... There's so much more that they have a skill set that they could be leveraging in the world for not only financial gain, but for, for ministry impact as well, but because they've settled for such a narrowly defined definition of what it means to be a pastor and where that takes place, um, there's they're missing out on, on so much more. So that resonates. I just wanted to connect the dots there and uh, appreciate you sharing that part of your journey and your struggle. So... You built a successful photography business. Why aren't you still doing that? I mean, you had the freedom, you had all the, the money coming in from that, but that's not what you're doing right now. So keep the story going. And what what made you move on from that?
1: I think we all have those crossroads moments. I've had seven or eight of them in my, in my career where you had this option and it's going this way and it's fine or it's uncomfortable, but it's not too painful. And then there's this other w- road that you can turn and there's potential and there's excitement, but it's scary. And there's no guarantee to it. The left-hand side, there's guarantees to it. You know what you're going to get, but it's just not energizing for you anymore. Mm. And every time I come to that crossroad, I take it very seriously. And every step of my journey, there is that crossroad moment. And it literally could be a book on just those. Because each one, you know, and there's a bunch that I didn't take, where I stayed on until the pain was too much. Well, I had that crossroad moment. I had that moment where I was like, okay, the money's great. It's been six figures for... 12 13 years we don't work that much right comparatively in terms of you know I could work 15 20 days a year shooting we post process we do other stuff but I pretty much can control whatever we want to do and I was just bored mm. I was just bored and I was like is this it is this is this really okay I'm going to I'm going to sit here money's going to be fine but there's no real purpose to it for me and that was a real big problem for me because I'm like we could have wrote it out we could have had associates. We could have built the business. I could have run the business. And I would have just still felt this gnawing angst of like, I am not, you know, I don't have the excuse of needing the money right now. Yeah. I don't have the excuse. I don't have time. There's no excuses to not doing what, doing what is purposeful to me. And that wasn't it. So I tried many times to change styles and perspective within the photography and, and 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 ramp things up and make it different. And then eventually what happened was I was photographing a wedding and there was a DJ there who was struggling. And he was a great DJ, but business-wise, he was terrible. We find that with a lot of artists. They're wonderful at their craft. They're terrible at business mm. all the time. In the photography world, we see it all the time. So I sat down with him over dinner at this reception, and I'm coaching in this dark little room while we're eating salmon and, and cheesecake. And at the end of it, he's like, man, this is amazing. And he goes, I got to go get the reception started because the party's got to get started. It was the first time in my career I was like, I don't want to go out there. I wanted to stay here. Usually I'm like, okay, well, I'll go shoot. I didn't want to do it. And mm. I wanted to keep talking to this guy. So I called I went home to my wife and I said, "I think I'm done." I was like, "What do you mean?" Like, "I I don't have it." I mean, I and I said, "But there's this other thing, like this conversation. If I could do that for a living, if I could do what I did with that guy, I would I would just be jacked up in terms of the work that I do. How do you do that? How do you build a coaching business to start? I had no idea. Do you get paid for that? Is that but how do you give up a multiple, you know, six-figure business and beyond for something that you don't know? Mm. So I started just doing that. We didn't kill it immediately. We blend, we started just raising our prices, so we got less bookings on purpose. We intentionally killed it. You know, we kind of priced mm. ourselves out on purpose. But it would give us a runway. So I just started all over again. I love being a beginner in mm. different things, writing a books, being a beginner. You don't yeah. know what's going to happen. There's no guarantee. Love that. So I started. Coaching for free, just like I did with everything else with photography and everything. And that led to referral after referral, then led to a, you know, writing a book, which was called Freelance to Freedom. That led to a mastermind, which led to another mastermind, which led to, okay, well, I can't afford the mastermind. Do you have a smaller, lower price program than a community? All different levels to it, coaching, live events. And it just kind of blossomed out from there. And before we knew it, you know, the wedding photography business was, we pretty much just stopped it stop taking bookings and every even now people think i'm you know are you still shooting i haven't shot for five years and this is completely taken over and just grown out on its own
0: yeah well vincent your story is a great example of what in our community we call the information based pathway like we have several different pathways we encourage pastors to consider and one that we feel like they're really well suited for most of them is kind of what you're doing where they're taking a message their idea blending it with the purpose that they feel called to, to bring to the world. And then, you know, whether it's through writing or speaking or podcasting or YouTube or coaching or whatever, like put that out into the world, build a business around that, monetize that. So here, now this is all just introduction. Now we're really getting to the good stuff here, okay? <laughs> so so in in that world, especially of online business and all of that, there's just so much out there in terms of how you build and market and grow a business And how you sell to people. And it's so much of it is just self focused. It's very ineffective. It leaves people feeling very frustrated. Recently, you wrote a book that is kind of turning all of that upside down. The title of your book is The Wealth of Connection, and you're really laying a foundation for how someone can build a successful business through people, through networking, through giving, through serving others. And I'd love to kind of steer the conversation in that direction and we can go wherever you want to go with that. But when you see people trying to build and grow their businesses kind of the the normal way we'll call it, like why, you know, why do you see problem in that? What what was the 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 idea behind starting this book? What was it that was frustrating you to say, "Man, there needs to be a a non best selling book about this, and and I say that because that's the title you claim is the how do you say it the uh, non best selling author Vincent Puglisi. So that's right. So yeah, what what was it that caused you to write the book?
1: Getting enough people reaching out to me that did it with either desperation or just severe selfishness, where I had to kind of coax them away from the way they were taught, you know, or the way they believe sales should be, which I which is just sleazy or dirty or whatever, however you want to say it, or just desperate where it's, we all know the methods. You know, when you're new to it, you don't know the, the funnel of this and this and that and the, the whole procedure of it. Once you're into it, you see what, what it's going on. And then you start seeing the approach that people do. it. just so me first, me focused um, approach to sales and business that who are you, what are you really doing this for? Are you, are you pretending like you like people so you get them to buy stuff? Or do you really have something that is there to help someone? Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's nefarious as it might sound. I think so many people don't know another way. Mm-hmm. And they think this is the way everybody else is doing. It. This is the way I bought into some other program. And I'll have to ask them, did you like it? Did you like the approach? Did you like the way that it was sold to you and then the way that it came? And they usually do not. They usually do not. So it was something where I started realizing, man, all these people, putting out podcasts, books, products. They put it all out there. They announce it on social media. They do all the things they're supposed to do and they don't get results from it. They get a handful of people leave reviews. They don't get the downloads they want and they wonder why it's not working. And you see this over and over. Like, just go to Amazon. Just type in all these different books that do nothing because they they write a book thinking people care. And the truth is nobody cares. And, and, and it's hard to understand that they don't care because you've not been a part of their life. You're doing this because you're trying to sell something. So what they realized was, oh, crap, you know, I wrote this book. It's not working. Oh, I really need to collaborate. You know, John and Les, I need to get on their podcast. Well, John and Les don't know you, and they're probably not just going to have you on because you want to be on. It's going to be relationship-based. They're going to want to know. They want to know your story. Well, that doesn't work. So then they go, okay, well, you better connect with those guys. Well, they'll connect with you guys, but it'll be in a very much, hey, how do I get what I want from this? I saw this pattern happening over and over again. Well, then it's like, well, are, are you reaching out with them to them to figure out what they need? Are you curious about what would what their audience would need? What would be helpful? No, you're trying to go to them so you could sell a program. Well, you're not curious about what they're doing. You're, you're interested in your own thing. Well, and then also it came down to what are you doing this for? Are you doing this because you want to sell something to their audience, or you're doing this because you have generous goals that are going to not only help their show, but help their listeners. And by that, it will help you as well if those things happen. So what I realized was everybody's doing it, not everyone, but a lot of people are doing it backwards. So I wrote the book backwards. I said, okay, where does it start? It starts with character. It starts, if your character is not good, no matter how successful you make it, it will crumble at some point. But if your character is strong, if you have generous goals over selfish goals, if I come on here and my purpose is to give the best interview for you guys and your audience as possible, and you come away happy and your listeners come away inspired, someone's going to buy the book. Someone's going to get impacted by the book and good things will happen. It happens down the road. So if your character is good, and then you go to your curiosity saying, hey, how can I help? What are you guys interested in? What? What are the problems that we're trying to solve for others? Those are foundational pieces, character and curiosity. If you have those things down and it's not about what you want, when you go to connect with them, it's going to be on such a deeper level because now there's the foundation built. Now we can have conversations and it won't be so, hey, let me tell you about me and let me ignore what you're saying. Like so many conversations happen. The beautiful thing is once those three things are in place, you have character, curiosity, connection and your network grows. The fun part happens next, which is collaboration. Meaning we get to do this interview together. We get to maybe go on stage together. We promote each other, we help each other out. That's the way collaboration works. So all of a sudden I get introduced to all these different audiences with whatever I'm doing and expansion just grows. It just keeps getting it can keep getting bigger. So when you do create something, whether it's a book or a podcast, whatever it is, This is what we figured out. Everything we launched seemed to work. Our podcast had 10,000 downloads from the first month. The book, Each book we've done had 100 reviews within the first month of launching it. The membership site and the the mastermind that we started, I didn't promote anything. I didn't market it. I didn't even go on Facebook about it. It was all relationship-based from doing these things that when we put it out there, there were people that I was close to who were interested in. We never had to do marketing. And every step of the way from doing an online course with a guy that I met at a mastermind that made $52,000 in a week because of a collaboration, everything kept falling into place. Never got desperate, never worried about it. Not a good marketer. We do a lot of business poorly, but it always seems to work out really well because we always follow this method as opposed to the opposite of what's being
2: taught. You know, Vincent, one of the reasons that you really do connect well with the people that are in our community is that this is a community of people who serve others, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, their they're, they're calling, their life work is to serve others in a specific way, sometimes in the context of a local church or ministry, but not always. Mm-hmm. And so for the, they, they're they resonating with this message, like they're amening you right now. But there is a, the person who's listening and saying, yeah, but I get it. But when does that start to impact, you know, me being able to have a business and staying in business and growing that business or even taking care of the family? In your case, you didn't mention a long ramp, and I'm glad because that's, that is honest, and it's above reproach, and it's, you know, it's fair. That, that happens. Can you just talk to somebody that is having a hard time with the ask anyway, you know, people in our world, like many, you can put them in the category of artists. These are creatives, Mm -hmm. you know, that we're talking about. And a lot of times they do have an an issue with the ask. So for them, it's not so much a challenge to give it's, it's the other side of it. So can you talk about that as well and how you can kind of strike that balance and still be authentic and give, but also have a business?
1: Yeah. We actually talked about it, you know, in our group today, in terms of I did a big ask today in terms of a person in my network. And um, it turned out to, you know, the thing that I asked for didn't turn out, but something else came from it that was wonderful. Now, Mm -hmm. here's the difference. I have no problem with an ask, really. This is not about, oh, you know, if we dove deeper and deeper into it, there were a lot of asks on my part on different things. It didn't just all, I gave you the general overview, but there's a lot of things that I I had to do and I had to create. But the difference is there's a big difference between doing an ask of somebody when you don't know them and an mm. ask from somebody when you've built a relationship with them. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. That is the difference because like I'll speak on this. All I spoke on Monday night about this and I had somebody come up to me and she's really sweet, but she's like, how can you help me do what I need to do? And I was nice to her, but I'm like that. And then she eventually came up to me and she apologized because she realized We hadn't built up trust together for her to ask me to connect me to the people that she wanted me to. I'll be happy to do it. But that's the whole idea of the wealth of connection. When you can build out the network in different worlds, in different ways, in a very generous and helpful way, when you need that, they will be there for you. With my book launch, I had everybody jump out to help out because I've been in their life for years and I haven't asked for very much. So the longer you can go without it, wonderful. I also say all the time do what you have to do until you can do what you want to do. I, I am not beyond doing work that I need to do knowing that the rewards will come later. And I think a lot of times people want the, the business to start quicker. Mm-hmm. I, I'm very, the, our, our biggest benefit in this, and maybe this is not everybody, I don't need much. Right. We could lose a whole lot of what we have and it really wouldn't affect me at all. I don't, I don't go by money. I don't go by stuff. So it's like I'm ver- I was very content in my college dorm room. I, I didn't, I don't So that was a very big advantage for me because it allowed me to do exactly what I wanted to do without having to pay the hefty bills for it. So the longer you can delay it, the better. But if you have to, if I had to do a job to pay for what I have to do while I build my business on the side, like we did, mm-hmm. I think it's a great way to do it. And I think it also eliminates a lot of the kind of entitlement. Like I deserve this business to be, I don't, you deserve. I have to do the work to make it happen. And we all know it takes three years to make a business really hum. Mm-hmm. So I can do that business for a year and a half while I'm working somewhere else. But just like with us with our photography, 2007, we called it the year of work. So you want to dive deep into it. I was working full-time at the newspaper. We had started the business. I gave you the real good cliff notes. Oh, we paid off the house and this and that. Well, 2007, I'm working full-time and we're doing 39 weddings that year. We had a two-year-old and a baby that was born that year. It was the year of work for us. I did two weekends where I did triple weddings, meaning Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. I remember driving home from one of those and my eyelids were closing and the and the traffic lights felt like they were falling on me because I was so tired. It's what I had to do to get to the point where I can go in and quit my job and have freedom. But when we quit the job, guys, I literally woke up and it was like, I don't have an assignment until next Saturday and I could do whatever I want until then. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of sacrifice that goes into it. It's just like an airplane taking off. There's a lot of work that goes into gassing that thing up and checking it out and getting the luggage on there, getting the food. But once that plane's in the air, smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. It's easy to launch the next plane once you got that going. That's the way we've always built our businesses. So you have to understand the beginning is going to be hard. It could be a year, two or three, but the rewards once you get flying like that are unlike anything that, we, that you'll do otherwise
2: that's so good to hear you say that and it's great advice because don't you think what we look at in somebody's highlight reel we think that that's the whole game don't we you know you with the sports background you've got a two to three hour ball professional athletic event like a football game or even a a baseball game and then when they show a highlight reel on sports center that night it's what 15 seconds maybe 20 20 seconds max so that's a that's real good advice right there
1: and another sports analogy that goes to to your point, guys, is I would photograph all these games. So I get to kind of see the. I love the the behind-the-scenes look. I love being in the dugout or the locker room or on the sidelines, and you can hear the conversations. These are the, you know, I was literally two feet away from LeBron James during the Eastern Conference Finals with a minute left, and they were charting out the the, the game-winning play. To hear those stories from top-notch people and how they go about it, their calmness, their demeanor, I learned a lot from it. But I also learned from the beginning. I remember this one pitcher for the Pirates when I shot in Pittsburgh. It was his rookie year, he was a good prospect, and he walked out to the mound and he looked nervous. Like crazy nervous, just just stiff, you know, couldn't even couldn't get the ball over the plate because 50,000 people there and he's a, and, he, and he got battered around, gave up five or six runs in two innings, got pulled. Well, he kept working. He kept doing it. It goes along with the story so well because he stayed with the team and in his fifth year, I remember shooting him again, it was a day game. And I remember him walking out for the first inning and he blew a bubble on his way out to the mound, chewing bubble gum. He looked at his new wife and the a little baby now and he pointed at them and he winked and he took the rosin bag and he tossed it around. So loose, grabbed mm-hmm. the ball. He's a lefty, struck out the side in the first inning, went seven innings, gave up two hits, no runs, walked off, got a five nothing win. Mm-hmm. Same exact pitcher, same exact field. Different approach because of experience. First year, just like in business, tough, uncomfortable. We don't know what's going on. Fifth year, loose as can be. He knows the players. He knows when he's throwing a curve or a slider. The first game, he's just trying to get over the plate. I think it's the same exact thing when it comes to business. Love
0: that. Love that. Vincent, I'm going to ask you to talk about what in the book you call your hour of giving. Uh, I think I love the practice. I love how you've kind of built that into your the rhythm of your day. And I think it's something that a lot of others could maybe model after or something along those lines. So tell us a little bit. What is the hour of giving?
1: The hour of giving is my biggest form of marketing, as crazy as it sounds. Eighty percent of the results that we get unintentionally come from this hour and what this hour is is just me being selfless. And because I'm selfish and I and I say it in the book. I'm like, you know, this is we all deal with this. I've got all my goals and I've got my dreams and my visions and and you know, I'm a New York Italian guy who came from the world of journalism. If I have to get the shot, I'm going to get the shot. Mm-hmm. Whether you're whether I have to kind of bump past you to get it or whatever it has to take, I'm not I'm not going to lose. Like I have that in me, which is good and bad. But what I realized the hour of giving was it can't be just about my goals. And this is what I learned six or seven years ago. It can't just be about how do I sell? How do I get the numbers? How do I get? It was, hey, how do I support the people around me first? How do I become less selfish by saying, hey, what do you guys need? How do I wake up thinking about the people in my life? Who do I need to connect together? Who do I need to reach out and give support to? Who do I need to leave a review for? Who do I need to just give support to that with without any expectations? It was the biggest Eye opening thing for me to do that every day for an hour or two hours. And during those conversations where I'm not trying to sell anything, I have people saying to me, So, what are you working on? Tell me about your mastermind. You know, what what are you with everything I was working on? They started to get curious in because I wasn't trying to get anything from them. We were just having conversations. I wound up helping a ton of people in all these different ways because this felt so good. But at the same time, I built such a network. Of connections around me without any expectations that things just started happening. And I'm like, this can't just be you know, a coincidence to this. So I basically spent an hour or two hours some days doing exactly what I said. If, if it's a podcast to listen to, leave a review. If it's a book that I, I read, share it online. If it's something I'm thinking about, I reach out to it. I have a list of different things that I do, and I do them daily, and I actually track them now. And it's first of all, the most fun that I do in business. I could do that for four hours someday, but the amount of reciprocation that comes from that without asking or not, i even trying is, is beyond anything that I would do if I tried to market. Yeah. Yeah. I love it's that. It's just
2: healthy. I mean, it's, healthy. it's just personally healthy, whether even if nothing came from it, it's a healthy practice to have.
1: It, it, it absolutely. And, and it's the most fun. I'm like, well, I want to go back to it. And, and I'll tell you this, when I start feeling really selfish, when I start getting really kind of deep in my own goals, I will literally say, Stop doing. I know the practice. Go right back to that where you're just thinking about other people, and it's nothing about what you're doing. And it's almost like if you ever if you have kids, you read the hung, the Hungry Caterpillar book, and the Hungry Caterpillar. If you remember, it ate all this crappy food throughout the book, and then at the end of the book, it eats through like a leaf, and then it feels so much better. That the hour of giving to me is the leaf when I when I've ate all the crap food and I've done all the selfish stuff. When I go do that, like, like, like you said, like, it's just it it's healthy. And, and I, so I try to start the day with that. I try to make it a big part of what I do. And I think it's really the foundation of of what we've built.
0: That's you right. know, recently I have a, a story that fits that well. I, I uh, was in the the morning hours. I just jumped into our Facebook community and asked a genuine question. How can I help you today? How can I help you get where you're going? And, and I had a guy respond and, before the day was done, he and I were on a Zoom call together. And out of that, like I truly did my best to, who do I know that I can connect you to to help answer this need in your life? And before the call was done, there's potential for a very real business partnership uh, that that has great potential. So I, I don't know where it's all going to lead, but that wasn't what I led with. That wasn't exactly. the, the the purpose of it. It was just, how can I serve you and help someone in our community? So it, this is, it's a really powerful concept that you share. Something else that's kind of unique. I don't know if you mentioned this in the book or not. I can't remember, but I've heard it from some of your other uh, talks on this is the concept of a five-year launch of this yeah. book. I mean, that's, I've never heard of anything quite like that. So why are you, why does it take you five years to do it? It takes a normal author just 30 days to do.
1: Because 30 days doesn't work. Um, it, it, it doesn't, it just doesn't, everybody does the same thing. And it, it's kind of laughable. I'm not saying er- I say every I, I'm oh, one no, of those all or nothing people with my words sometimes. I don't mean everybody, but <laughs> a, a lot of people. It's this, it's this formula of get a book launch team together, get them all in a Facebook group, do videos for them for a month, get them all to say they're going to leave reviews, launch the book, bug them all to do it. They do it for a couple days. Most of them don't do it. We've seen it happen over and over again. Right. You get disappointing results. After a month, you get frustrated because you spent two years writing a book that nobody cares about. And then you give up, and you don't write another book. Well, if I've heard that story from one author, I've heard it from thousands about it. So John Rulon, who's a friend of mine, he wrote the book Giftology. Um, we talked about this a couple of years ago. And he said, it's a five-year launch. Not This isn't my idea. This was his idea. And I said, what do you mean five-year launch? And, and he's good friends with Hal Elrod, who wrote The Miracle Morning. And The Miracle Morning, I believe now, is the best-selling self-published book of all time. Mm. Well, it didn't start getting traction until its fifth year. Wow most people don't know that. So he did all the work and he kept marketing and he kept going on podcasts and he kept doing blogs, but it didn't really take off, but he kept going. So Rulon took the same approach, which is, Hey, I'm doing podcast interviews every week. I am writing blogs. I am doing whatever social media I'm reaching out. I'm giving out books. I'm doing everything I can. And it's a five-year launch. So now six years into giftology or seven years, it's selling more now than it did in the first year. Wow. But that does not happen with most books. So for me, I basically said five year launch. The launch is not May 2nd, 2022. The launch is May 2nd, 2027. So you're all invited to the party. It's 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 four years nice. and 11 months from I'll now. I'll be yeah.
0: there. I'm coming. There.
1: So, but what I do is every day I have a list and there's all, there's about 25 different items I can do, which means like this be on a podcast, um, give out a book, mail out books for free, sell, you know, hand, hand, you know, signed books. Um, ask for a review, all these different things. And I, and I swore to myself and I made a pact to do 25 of those action steps a day, five days a week for five years. And once you set that, you go, okay. So, but I can tell you from all, so many things are happening because of that. And I think, oh, if I wouldn't have done that, if I would have said, oh, it's a month thing, I'd be done already. I'd already be on to the next thing. I want this book to be significant. I want this book to actually help people. And I want it and it's not about sales. I, if people reach out to me, I will give you the book. I just want the book into more people's hands. Um, and, and Seth Godin told me that. He said, I asked him years ago, what mistakes am I making now that three years from now I, w- I wish I didn't make? And he said, there's two things. One, you will, not, you, will wish you, your publish, you will wish you didn't count on your publisher to market your book for you. Mm. That's one. And two is you will wish you would have gotten the book into 10,000 people's hands. Mm. So I took that approach. One way or the other, whether they're buying the ebook, audiobook, physical, if I had to give it, i have to sell it personally. 10,000 people's hands is the next step. And then we go from there. So to me, it's a long game. It's, you know, we're six weeks into it as we're recording. And I feel like we're just beginning where if I didn't take that approach, I'd almost feel like it's starting to wind down.
0: Yeah, well, I'm telling you, man. Like this book has content. There's there's some real substance to your book, and I mean that. Like it's it's a encouraging book. It's an inspiring book, and I think five years from now it'll be just as relevant then as it is today. So um, I, I love it. I love what you've put together here. And, uh, I've got a thought for, as we head to the backstage here in a moment, I have a a story I might ask you to share there, but before we wrap up this portion of the interview, Les, have you got any other questions you want to hit Vincent with before we close things down here?
2: Oh man, I was just going to let you know that we do believe in the message and we've made sure that we give a copy to all of the members of our mastermind group and are going to be working through it in the next few weeks. And so this is going to help launch that as well. So thanks, man.
1: Yeah. I so appreciate you guys doing that that was really yeah. generous of you guys
0: well it's generous of you to come on and uh, be uh, on one of our calls we're looking forward to having sure. you in our mastermind here in a few weeks and so uh, this is gonna be fun I'm gonna give this podcast episode as a homework assignment to everybody ahead of time so they get to know you even more but uh, this <laughs> go. is good so Vincent how can people get the book how can people connect with you and stay you know in touch with what you're doing tell us a little bit about your podcast too because that's that's also a, a great piece of resource and content that you're putting out?
1: Yeah, we're actually making a shift. I've been doing a daily short form show for the last almost three years now, but we are making a shift because it's it's called the Total Life Freedom Podcast. We are shifting that to the wealth of connection, to be on brand with the book. And after three years of daily, I'm kind of starting to want a little bit of a change. So what it's going to be, it's going to be an interview show based around concepts of the book um, with two solo shows a week. So okay. it's right. I'm not sure when this will publish, but right now it's total life freedom, but it's going to be called the wealth of connection podcast. Love it. Um, for the, for the book, you can go to Amazon. It's published through Amazon. So that's the easiest way to get it. You can go to our website, um, total life I'm on Instagram at total life freedom one. And, um, yeah, those are those are the the best ways to find me.
0: Are you gonna have to rebrand all of that then too? Like, to, if you're rebranding the podcast, are you gonna have to rebrand everything else to be well? Wealth- that's what connection?
1: that's was looking like. That's yeah. which wasn't the original plan, but as it goes on day by day, it just it just makes sense. So we're doing a slow, and we just actually just did all new copy for Total Life Freedom about four months ago. I'm like, oh right. well, we have to have to, re-. but this it just makes sense. Everything kind of falls in line with this. So you know, th- there's that whole sunk cost fallacy where I'm like. Okay. If, if it's right, it's right. We make the shift and we oh, go.
0: I love yeah. that. Uh, Vincent, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, man. Thank you for your generosity to come on and just, I know you've brought value to our audience today, my friend. So uh, all the best as you continue to move forward and getting this book launched over the next five years.
1: Thank you guys so much. You're awesome.
0: Well, there you go. Good stuff from our friend, Vincent Puglisi. Guys, for those of you that are backstage subscribers, stick around because in just a few moments, uh, we're going to go backstage with Vincent. And he's got an awesome story to share. Uh, It's funny. It's insightful. And uh, it really exemplifies one of the one of the main lessons that he's teaching in his book so and and he tells it in a way that only vincent can so stick around for those of you that uh, are part of our backstage community or also those of you that are in our membership community you also have access to this content as well so if you're curious how to get that if you just go to entrepastors.com forward slash community you will find uh all that you need to find there to get access to the backstage pass it's 9.99 a month 10 bucks a month Uh, And you can have access to all the premium content that we create with uh, our free podcast as well. So go check that out. Hey guys, as we get ready to sign off this week, I just want to do a real quick call to action here. And hopefully, I've earned the right to ask for this, okay? Hopefully, kind of in keeping with Vincent's message, we've added value by bringing good content to you that's encouraging, that's inspiring, that is insightful and helps you along in your journey So now that we've added value, can I make a small request of our audience? And here it is. Right now, we've got a couple of different platforms on social media that we would love to connect with you on. And so I'm going to tell you about them real quick. First of all, if you are a brand new listener or if you've never jumped into our free Facebook group, we've got one there. We'd love to add you to the community. If you go to Facebook and search for Pastors Connect. You'll find us there, and uh, we'll add you to the group. Now you have to answer the questions. If you don't answer the questions, we will not let you in. We do screen everyone that comes into the group. We want to make sure that it truly is a good, healthy, safe environment where we can, you know, share content, encourage one another, and all of that. So join us there on Facebook, YouTube. We are posting our podcast episodes to YouTube as well as some other content, um, short form content. So. I would encourage you to go to YouTube and search for the Entree Pastors channel and subscribe. Once we hit 100 subscribers, we can have a custom URL, which will be youtube.com forward slash Entree Pastors. But we're about halfway there. So, man, with as many people as listen to this podcast every week, if just a few of you would take action on this and right now go do that. We could knock that out in no time. So uh, go join us on YouTube. And then finally, for those of you that are on TikTok, I know Les laughs at me every time I bring it up, but I am now creating content on that platform and and under that uh, channel, at Pastors on TikTok. So go check us out there. And uh, again, that's where a lot of our short form video content is being created and shared on different platforms. And so I would just invite you and ask you to go do that. Finally, if you've not yet subscribed to this podcast, man, feel free to do that. Like, and when you subscribe, we would be so grateful if you would leave a rating and review. That's one thing that Vincent has challenged me with is, you know, be generous with that kind of thing. If you're wanting people to like and follow and subscribe to the stuff you're putting out into the world, do the same with them. If you want, you know, good reviews on your books and your podcast and all the stuff, then make sure you're generously giving that back to others as well. So leave a rating and review for this podcast. We'd be super grateful for that. That's all we got for you this week, gang. Thank you so much. God bless. We'll talk to you soon.